Welcome to the show. This is Wellness Talk, and I am George Batista, your host and wellness advocate. Wellness Talk is a show that goes over the latest in health and healing, nutrition, and supplements. We take the mystery out of supplements, and we give you tips and tricks you can use to live a healthy life. Hope you guys are doing great today. GeorgeBatista.com is the website. Uh, you can go check out all the articles that we go over. Everything's fully referenced. So, uh, and make sure that you like, share, and subscribe because this way you can support this show. Uh, I am coming to you from a very hot and steamy New York. You know, we're going through this, uh, we're going through this heat wave right now. It's in the 90s here, but it feels like over 100. So, I hope wherever you are, you are keeping cool. And, um, you know, but hopefully, uh, you can take us along with you for your drive or whatever it is you're doing and get some good information out of it. So, all right. So this week, we're going to be talking about uh, one of the things that is near and dear to my heart, meaning, and the, way, the reason why I say that is because it's something I dealt with since I was maybe like 16 years old, and that is allergies, uh, specifically seasonal allergies, hay fever and that type of thing. A lot of people deal with it. Uh, this, you know, usually you get it, you know, either springtime or fall and you pretty much kind of can feel when it's coming on and it's like, oh no, here comes those allergies again. Then you run out and you start getting some of the uh, over-the-counter medications or whatever the doctor prescribes or whatever that type of thing. So we're going to go over um, how to treat seasonal allergies naturally. And this is by Kathleen McCoy. And I think this, um, you, you really need to hear this stuff, especially those of you who are dealing with it, because again, like I said, this is something I dealt with for many, many, many years. And it was just, it was a horrible thing to deal with, but I was actually able to overcome it. A lot of people don't understand how, but I'm going to tell you not only uh, the tips and tricks that they give you in this article, but I'm also going to show you what I did and the things that helped me. Now, keep in mind that everybody's different, right? So not, you know, the same thing that I did, maybe uh, may not affect you the same exact way, but I can at least kind of steer you in the right direction of the things that I did that helped me. And hopefully it does help you. So we're going to talk about allergies. Then from wellness resources, we're going to talk about mold exposure affects brain health, focus, and mood. A lot of people dealing with mold. Now there's Mold can be found in many, many different places. Typically, you know, people think of mold when they're, you know, in their basements or, you know, uh, in some kind of building or that type of thing. But, you know, mold can affect a lot of things. It affects a lot of people. And again, it affects a lot of people differently. Some, some people are more susceptible to mold than others. So we're going to talk about how mold exposure affects many different uh, aspects of your brain health and your cognitive health and what you can do about it. So very important stuff. Then again, also from wellness resources, we're going to talk about, and this is kind of going to be our spotlight nutrient at the same time. We're going to talk about astaxanthin. And uh, for those of you who don't know what astaxanthin is, it's the red, pit, uh, red pigment that belongs in the group called the carotenoids. Okay. And it's typically what makes salmon pink, right? It gives salmon that pink red color. So that's what that is, but it's actually an antioxidant. And uh, we're going to talk about what it does, how it can support your immune system, your mitochondria, and also um, piggybacking on our the uh, other article that we're talking about also helps as a mold protector. So I think you, again, you will get a lot out of this as well, but at the same time, it's going to be our nutrient spotlight. So we've got a lot of uh, really, really good, important stuff for you. So let's get started. All right. First, 
from uh, Kathleen McCoy. Again, hay fever, natural ways to treat seasonal allergy symptoms. Now, let's talk a little bit about the numbers. And we're also going to get into a little bit of how allergies actually work and why people get allergies in the body and exactly what's going on. What are the mechanisms of that? Okay. So hay fever, uh, is, there's, it's an estimated about 40 million to 60 million people each year suffer from hay fever okay, or seasonal allergies. Now, approximately 80% of people with asthma also suffer from seasonal allergies as well. Now, let's talk about uh, a little bit uh, a little bit more from these are statistics back from 2016 and the uh u.s allergy symptoms one in five this is one in five people in the united states get some form of allergy symptoms now keep in mind uh, we know that allergies are not just seasonal obviously there can be food allergies there could be all those different types of things so i think this is kind of lumping all that together but we're just kind of giving you a framework here okay so um 55 of the u.s population uh, test positive for allergens. Okay. And, uh, the annual cost of allergies to the healthcare system is about $7.9 billion. That's with a B. Okay. Number of work days lost from hay fever per year is about 4 million. Okay. So it's, it's a big deal. Uh, allergies are a, uh, a big deal. So let's talk a little bit about the mechanisms of allergies because, you know, a lot of people just think, well, I'm allergic. I don't know exactly what's going on here. So we're going to dive just, and again, I'll glance over it. I won't go crazy into it, but we'll talk a little bit about how the immune system treats certain allergens. Now, what is an allergen? So an allergen really, when you look, when you look at it is in harmless substance. Okay. It is, that's pretty much what it is. It's a harmless substance, but once it gets into your body, it's taken in by your body. Then this is where the mechanism happens, right? Each person's body or immune system treats the substance differently. Some people won't affect at all. And then some people get this reaction. So, you know, keep that in mind. Now you have in your body, okay. Uh, what's called immunoglobulins. Now, Immunoglobulin protein, they're, they're, they're basically glycoproteins and they're molecules produced by the white blood cells and they are responsible for the immune response to certain situations, okay? So you have different types of immunoglobulins. You have IgMs, you have IgGs, and you have IgEs, okay? So many different types. So we're not going to get into all of them because uh, they all pertain to specific things like, for example, IgMs, immunoglobulin Ms. They're more, uh, they produce antibodies and they're recruited by the immune system to fight infection. Okay. They deal with specific infections. They, they produce B cells that actually help to bind to the pathogens and, uh, stimulate antibody production and the immune system's call to action basically. Okay. So that's the IgM. So we're going to specifically talk a little bit about the IgE immunoglobulins. Okay. Now these are the ones that are responsible for the allergic response. Okay. They are found in the lungs. They are found in the skin. They are found in the mucosal membranes, the mucosal linings of your, of your body. Okay. They're produced by B cells. Okay. And they're secreted by your lymph nodes and other lymphoid tissues, uh, situated, situated near, uh, or next to the site of the allergen. And, and one of the things they do is they help to protect the body from a parasitic infection. That's one of their jobs. Okay. So again, it, they're a part of the immune response. Now here's the issue. Okay. Um, the IgE binds to the allergen. So when the IgE binds to the allergen, 
Okay, it triggers a cascade of events. Okay, so then we have these cells called basophils and mast cells that are uh, produced. Okay, and these cells actually break open and they release what's called histamine. Histamine is basically an, infl an inflammatory compound that is produced and it's, it's basically secreted into the bloodstream. Okay, and histamine is what is responsible for the symptoms of allergies. Okay. So again, keep, so look at how this works. Basically your body is introduced to a foreign substance. Let's just say pollen, for example, and then you have this immune triggered response. Okay. So you have the IgEs getting involved. Okay. And then what they do is they, they trigger this cascade of events, basophils and mast cells start going into action. They start to break open and then they start to release again, what's called histamine that actually floods the bloodstream, causes an inflammatory cascade, and basically starts to produce the, um, the symptoms that you call allergy. So what are the symptoms? Obviously, we have runny nose, we have sneezing, we have watery eyes, we have scratchy throat, it could be a rash, you know, all these types of things could be a sinus headache, all that type of stuff is produced. And, you know, and again, it's similar to what your body goes through when you're fighting off a cold, right? Your body fights off a cold and what is it doing? It's producing all these things to try to try to deal with the pathogen that's in your body and to get rid of all this stuff, right? Well, it's happening the same way, except the trigger response, meaning what's triggering it is different. The difference is like, for example, you know, a virus versus, you know, pollen and pollen is pretty much harmless. But once it gets into your uh, someone's body, then it get you know it can get triggered. So now, again, the time of year can affect you know if and when someone uh, gets this allergic reaction. Okay, it's called allergic rhinitis, and you know so a lot of times it can occur in the spring when the pollen start to spring out. This is what used to happen with me. With me, I used to get it in the spring and the fall because in the spring typically pollen is is really prevalent right and then you get the ragweed type of pollen which is in the fall okay so i would literally get both but ragweed for me was the worst that one used to really hit me and i knew when i was um when i was getting it in the fall i'm telling my i would start to swell up i would start to get all these symptoms and i was on all this medication it was just it was just horrible now sometimes location can also um help you deal with it. So for example, you can be in a location where allergies are really prevalent, where the pollen count is really, really high. And then you can move to another location where the po pollen count is not so high. Okay. So that can help moving to a different location, obviously can make a big difference in terms of if you are dealing with it. Now, um, research indicates that nearly 75% of people in the United States who suffer from seasonal, seasonal allergies are allergic to ragweed. Okay. And that's the one that really used to hit me. Ragweed pollen wasn't, you know, this, the straight pollen wasn't as bad for me, but, uh, pollen due to ragweed is that's the one that really used to get me when, especially in the fall. Okay. So we know all the symptoms of allergies and that type of thing and what it produces now. How do you know if you have bad allergies? Well, the same pollen and allergens that trigger seasonal allergy symptoms can sometimes cause more serious symptoms as well, such as asthma attacks that result in wheezing, shortness of breath, chest tightness, and difficulty breathing. Though, And this condition is referred to as allergy-induced asthma or allergic asthma. So that, that is a condition. And people with, especially with compromised immune systems, 
COPD, respiratory issues, and those types of things. Those people have to be very, very careful when it comes to seasonal allergies and complications and stuff like that. Okay. So um, what can we do to try to, you know, start to put ourselves in the right direction where we may start to treat it or start to uh, support it in a more natural way? So obviously, one of the big things is you have to, well, first of all, you have to understand something about allergies. At its basic, at, at, at the basic level, allergies is an immune system problem, okay? Again, it's an immune system problem. And the reason why you say that is because you can have two people who are living in the exact same place, who eat the exact same foods and do pretty much the exact same things. One person can have the, you know, really bad uh, triggers of allergies and another person will get nothing. And what's the common denominator? The common denominator is the person's immune system. That the immune system is hyper reacting to the problem. Okay. And that's what I had to deal with. That's what I had to realize as I got older is that it was my immune system that was hyper reacting to this thing. Okay. So that's the first thing. As a matter of fact, according to John Hopkins medicine, allergies are actually disorders of the immune system. They say the body overreacts to harmless substances and produces antibodies to attack the substance. This is what we, this is what is caused, uh, causes the symptoms. This is right out of John Hopkins. Okay. So that's the first thing you have to understand it is an immune system problem. Now, what do I say when you have an immune system problem? Okay. Just like when there's viruses floating around, right? Pandemics floating around, strengthen the immune system, start to treat the immune system, start to deal with uh, what you can to support the immune system to put yourself in the direction of getting better, right? Or feeling better, okay? So obviously you want to avoid the things that trigger it, right? So if you see that there are certain things triggering it now, allergies comes in all forms, obviously there are certain things that contribute, but if you look at seasonal allergies specifically, right? Um, again, the, the hay fevers, the pollens, the ragweeds, you know, you're not going to not go outside, right? But Obviously, if you're indoors, you know, um, by the way, dust can also, you know, you can be allergic to dust and dust mites and things like that. So obviously cleaning up your your space, making sure you change your sheets and your pillows regularly, dusting as much as you can. Another thing, getting one of those filters, dust filters. It's fantastic. You put it in your your home and uh, helps to filter out a lot of those allergens, especially those of you who have uh, carpets. Right. So. Getting one of those filters is one of the, one of the best things you can do uh, to, you know, if you're indoors and also air conditioning can help with that as well. OK, but, you know, trying to avoid those allergens as much as possible is one of the best things to do. Now, obviously, um, what are some of the foods that you can eat or one of the some of the things that you can that will help while, you know, strengthening uh, the immune system? OK, actually, you'd be surprised, but local uh, local raw honey. Honey is, is a great thing to add to your, um, get, make sure that it's raw and it's good, maybe organic honey, but it's one of the best things to, you, uh, to use when it comes to allergies. Why? In a randomized control study published in the International Archives of Allergy and Immunology, patients who consumed honey had significantly better control over their allergies compared to those on conventional allergy medications. Local honey works to relieve symptoms because it contains local pollen that causes your allergies and helps the immune system deal with it better. 
So a couple of tablespoons each day can help to relieve it, you know, has been known to help to relieve itchy, watery eyes, runny nose, and general symptoms of hay fever. So honey, great thing. Now, next thing we want to do is support the gut. Okay. So probiotic rich foods are great. So kefir, um, yogurts, any kind of yogurts, any kind of probiotics, natto, uh, kombucha, all those things are great for helping the gut because obviously the gut is 70 to 80% of the immune system that has to do with it. So cleaning up your gut is also a big thing with this as well. Okay. Keeping the allergies in check. Right now, what are some of the supplements that we can use uh, to help with allergies? So I'm going to go uh, just really quickly over some of the ones that they name in the article. Spirulina, one, one teaspoon per day. Spirulina helps to stop the release of histamine that causes symptoms. Okay. They've done studies on it and they show that spirulina does help to improve allergy symptoms. Quercetin. Quercetin is the big one that I used. One of the big ones that I use. Quercetin at a thousand milligrams per day. Research shows that quercetin, the flavonoid that gives fruits and vegetables their rich color, stops the production and release of histamine. Okay. So keep in mind, quercetin is great. Now, keep just here's a quick note that quercetin may interfere with certain medications, including antibiotics. So again, if you're taking quercetin, you got to make sure that you're not on antibiotics because, you know, there have been studies that known that have known that it can interfere with that. Okay. Butterbur. That's B-U-T-T-E-R-B-U-R at 500 milligrams per day. That has been known to help not only to treat bronchitis, but excess mucus and asthma, okay? But also helps to be effective with hay fever. Probiotics, again, we talked about it. 50 billion units is very good. Uh, but any probiotics you can get in your system to help with gut. Again, these, these are long-term solutions. This is not an overnight thing, so you got to keep that in mind. Everything I'm talking about is long-term. It took me a while to get to the point where I'm not dealing with allergies anymore, right? So long-term use, but you got to stay on this stuff, okay? Vitamin A, 2,000 micrograms per day. At least vitamin A helps to fight the inflammation and the antihistamine properties. Next, bromelain. Bromelain at 1,000 milligrams per day. Bromelain has an enzyme. It's the enzyme from pineapples, okay? Helps to reduce the swelling in the nose, helps sinuses, and helps has helped to release or to relieve hay fever symptoms. Zinc, 30 milligrams per day. Zinc helps to treat the adrenal fatigue caused by uh, chronic stress. And stinging nettle. Stinging nettle also, and you can find a lot of these online as well, um, contains, you know, it also contains, it it's, uh, helps to contain antihistamine, and it's also anti-inflammatory, right? Now, the big one, another big one that I've used, uh, the ones that I used specifically for myself, just so you guys know what I did, I used quercetin in very high amounts. I used vitamin C. Now, vitamin C works with quercetin very, very well. And um, I would suggest that they're both anti-inflammatory, but vitamin C, obviously an antioxidant, but also vitamin C works as a mild antihistamine. A lot of people don't know that. So take vitamin C, take quercetin together. Another product, again, from Wellness Resources, because those are the ones that I used, uh, Wellness Resources Immune Plus. That's a great one that helps to, uh, it's a, it comes in powder form. You take it in and it helps to, uh, helps to uh, drain the uh, lymphatics. If you're dealing with a lot of mucus and that type of thing, helps to drain all that. It helps to kind of get rid of that as well. So 
you know, those types of things along with, you know, most of the other stuff that I was using, obviously a good diet, cleaning up my gut and trying to get past, you know, uh, stay away from as much allergens as possible. So those, those are the things that I would suggest. And then just a couple of other things, stay hydrated. You want to be as hydrated as possible, drink as much water as possible, because the more dehydrated you are, the more mucus you actually develop. So any, any, uh, the, uh, the, you know, if you can hydrate yourself, it actually helps to drain some of the mucus. Okay. Again, limit exposure, make sure you shower before you go to bed, especially if you've been in an allergy type, you know, dealing with allergens all day, wipe down your bed, wipe down anything you can. So all these types of things, and obviously wash your clothes as much as you can because the allergies, allergens can stay on there as well. So again, just some tips. Um, but these are the things that I use. Again, I use these on a long-term basis. It wasn't just a one-shot deal. But I, I really supported my immune system with all these things. And sure enough, little by little, the allergy started to go away. Okay. So just check those out. Um, you know, something to think about as far as allergies go. But I think if you really stay the course and do, you know, do these things on a regular basis, you will find some relief instead of having to deal with the over-counter stuff. Because, you know, the over-counter stuff that makes you drowsy. And it really doesn't do anything. It kind of masks the symptoms, but it actually makes it worse because that's what it did for me. So just keep that in mind when you're dealing with allergies. Okay, next from Wellness Resources, mold exposure affects brain health, focus, and mood, okay? So again, we're looking at uh, mold, okay? A lot of people dealing with mold, and obviously you want to try to clean out if you're dealing with mold in your basements. Obviously, mold removal is a big thing. It's a big thing. In the past, past places that I've lived, I've had to do that myself, especially if there's a big storm. You know, where, where I used to live, coming from New York City, um, we used to get floods in the basement, and that would obviously, you know, we would end up dealing with a lot of mold, and, um, you know, especially with big type of storms that would come in and stuff like that. So we would have to get mold removal and it was a, it was a whole thing. It was, it was horrible, but cost a lot of money too. But anyway, um, you know, again, you looking at, you know, mold can come from, you know, from all different places, you know, mold toxins could even be found in different foods as well. Okay. So even with chronic low levels of mold exposure, what's called mycotoxins can adversely affect your health because that's what it is. Mycotoxins or mold toxins. That's pretty much the same thing. So mold toxins are absorbed into the respiratory tract and digestive tracts as well as your skin. These mycotoxins can cause fatigue, can cause fatigue, brain fog, poor mood, lethargy, chronic sinus issues. Again, looking at sinus issues, difficulty, you know, learning, difficulty with memory. Okay, these biotoxins can also affect your joints, can also affect your muscles, your lungs, especially your brain, peripheral nervous system. You know, and, and the thing is not with just immediate exposure, okay? It, you know, this can be a chronic thing over time. So, for example, if you've lived someplace, and let's say you bought a new place and you realize there was mold in that place and you get that mold taken care of, you have to see, you know, down the line, are you still, are you dealing with chronic things that you didn't deal with before since you moved there? Because you could still be dealing with the chronic effects, even if you've after you've gotten rid of the mold. So that's just something you have to think about. Now, so you know, research has been showing that these biotoxins can adversely affect the cognitive health of children and adults, along with long-term effects if not cleared and detoxified. Okay. Now, we've talked about 
uh, amyloid beta proteins and uh, in the brain and mitochondria. That's one of the things that's responsible for the onset of Alzheimer's, dementia, those types of things, right? Not being able to clear these amyloid beta proteins that you accumulate throughout the day, okay? So the mycotoxins and the pro-inflammatory responses that are caused by this inflammatory process or cytokines from mold can induce cell apoptosis in the brain, okay? Or apoptosis means cell death. And it can cause inflammation and oxidative damage and causes deposits of amyloid beta proteins in your brain and its mitochondria, okay? So think about it. You, you, again, your brain also produces mitochondria, right? Your cell engines, okay? That allows your brain to function. Your brain uh, uses up a lot of energy, okay? So these deposits can actually affect not only you know, they can, can deposit not only your brain, but it can actually help to deposit into the mitochondria where actually start to slow things and actually start to kill cells. So, you know, things to think about. Now, decreased assimilation of knowledge, difficulty with word finding, concentration, memory, mood swings may be caused by mold toxins, and they can affect your brain tolerance, your balance, your coordination, and your movement. Okay. So, uh, Again, these are things to keep in the back of your mind. Now, you let's look at your mucosal barrier and uh, integrity breakdown. Okay, so obviously you have this mucosal barrier. It lines your digestive tract. It lines your lungs. It's all you know. It's responsible for trapping, uh, trapping all different types of pathogens and that type of thing as well. Okay, so uh, mold and, and cytokines can also have uh, adversely impair the mucosal barrier integrity found in your lungs, in the gut lining, and the blood-brain barrier. A breakdown in mucosal barriers can actually cause gut dysbiosis, okay, right? You start to feel, you start to have massive gut problems. It can contribute to, you know, stress on the gut-brain connection. You know that the gut and brain are connected, right? So, and it can further, you know, worsen cognitive decline and cognitive challenges. So, Think about your history again. Think about, you know, if you moved to a new place um, and there was any kind of water damage or any kind of uh, mold building up or anything like that. Do you, again, do you see symptoms or signs in your brain? Do you see symptoms of signs in your cognitive, you know, do you see cognitive decline? Do you see, you know, any kind of problems in thinking or recall or memory, those types of things? So you have to kind of take inventory of that to make sure that you're not still dealing with those chronic issues. Now, Again, bleach, a lot of people remove mold from bleach. I've done that in the past, but sometimes it does not completely remove the mold and the mycotoxins, okay? So, you know, so obviously you want to try to get it resolved as much as possible, depending on how much mold you're dealing with, okay? But remember that mold can absorb into furniture, into materials and plastics, into mattresses and pillows, okay? And all that stuff may need to be replaced, okay? Now, research has demonstrated that bleach, ammonia, ozone, ultraviolet radiation, and heating does not completely remove mold and mycotoxins, right? So, so how do we support, you know, if you've been exposed to mold, right, uh, you've been dealing with maybe cognitive decline, or you just want to make sure that you don't deal with cognitive, uh, cognitive decline after you've removed the mold and you've cleaned things up. So how do we optimize for toxic clearance, mitochondria, and optimize for the, new, the mucosal barriers? So let's look at nutritional support. We have glutathione, 
N-acetylcysteine, chlorella, okay, uh, activated charcoal. All these things can help bind and to sequester mold toxins in your body. Glutathione levels are often low in individuals exposed to mold toxins. They've done research on this, okay? So from wellness resources, top choices, Daily Detoxify and Glutathione Ultra are great nutritional uh, supplements for to help to support uh, detoxification of mold and any kind of inflammatory issues you're dealing with, okay? Antioxidant support is essential to protect mitochondria from mycotoxin-free radicals and aid in detoxification. So we're looking at B vitamins, zinc, magnesium, coenzyme Q10, melatonin, and whey protein have all been found to be helpful. And they actually are helpful to support glutathione and restore the depleted antioxidant levels associated with mold toxins. Two more, astaxanthin, which I'm going to go into in a few minutes. And Grape seed extract also provides support against the toxic effects of mold. So those are the top choices. Again, we always talk about, you know, the supplements from Wellness Resources. Wellness Resources, 35-year-old supplement company on the forefront of clinical nutrition. I Those are the ones that I go with because those are the ones my friends and family use. So make sure you check out all their supplements when it comes to that. They have fantastic supplements that can help support any of these issues. But um, those are the ones that would be top choices on on my end. But uh, something to think about if you are dealing with mold or you think you're dealing with mold or you've gotten rid of mold and you just want to make sure that you are not uh, carrying around any kind of effects from that mold exposure. All right, next. Again, from Wellness Resources, astaxanthin, anti-aging, immune support, mitochondria and mold protector again piggybacking on that last article so uh let's talk about astaxanthin so first of all, i'm going to spell it for those of you who don't know how it's spelled because it kind of spelled a little weird it's a s t a x a n t h i n astaxanthin now <clears throat> recent studies have on astaxanthin continue to point out its versatility and impact on the core of health like mitochondria and anti-aging genes. Now, again, astaxanthin is a card—it's a cardinoid, and it's an antioxidant. Again, you—it gives salmon the that pink reddish color. Now, let's talk a little bit about how it helps and what it does. So, oxidative stress, obviously, and mitochondria—I've talked about it on previous shows. You make sure you reference those. But oxidative stress is the major is the major reason why aging occurs, right? Because it creates free radicals and creates ROS, what's called reactive oxygen species that can contribute to cellular damage and tissue changes. It's kind of like the rust that develops on your car over time. Okay. The more and more time goes along, the more and more rust you get. Okay. So mitochondria, which are your cell engines that give you energy, are highly sensitive to oxidative stress. So mitochondria are inside of your cells, right? Uh, you know, except for red blood cells. These organelles are, res are responsible for the ATP. That is your cellular uh, energy. Okay, that's what creates your energy. Now, they're the central energy. They, they help with your brain function, your heart, your lungs, your liver, your kidneys, your adrenal glands, and all these types of things, okay? And, you know, these, especially with the heart, the adrenals, the kidneys, the brain, they have high demands of energy. So they need a lot of 
uh, mitochondria and they need that mitochondria to be working well. Now, too many free radicals obviously can uh, handicap the production of ATP. And again, you get this kind of cellular degradation. You get apoptosis, which eventually leads to, you know, feeling of tired um, and all kind of tissue damage and inflammation and those types of things and the diseases of aging, especially down the road. Now, astaxanthin, its unique shape provides superior protection. So due to the unique shape of astaxanthin, it offers mitochondria superior protection against the free radicals or the ROS stress. So in a study published in August of 2019, muscle tissue uh, samples were ex uh, exposed to heat stresses at 98.6 Fahrenheit to 109 degrees. The ROS levels and mitochondria structure integrity were evaluated before and after the heat stress. Tissues treated with astaxanthin had preserved mitochondrial integrity and function. Otherwise, in the non-treated tissues, heat stress led to mitochondrial breakdown, fragmentation, and eventually cell death, or again, apoptosis. So clearly protecting you from, you know, the heat generated inflammation. Okay. Astaxanthin and brain aging. It has now gained recognition as a, uh, a brain protector or cell protector and a gene protector. Okay. So we have um, what's called the gero neuroprotector. A gero protector is a compound that slows the rate of aging and may affect age associated decline. A gero neuroprotector refers to a powerful age related protection for the brain and ner nervous system. So it was a comprehensive review study published in July 2020. It identified the many benefits of astaxanthin that made it a gero neuroprotector. Astaxanthin has the ability to modulate several cellular mechanisms and genes, including uh, genes like NF kappa B, nuclear factor kappa B, AMP K, Sirtuin 1, which is insert and NRF2, and FOX03 related. These are genes that are related to longevity and anti-aging. Okay. Astaxanthin helps your brain make uh, what's called BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotropic factor. Now, this is the rep the repair process of your brain. Okay. So it's a powerful brain. A compound that helps to protect and actually repair your brain. Astaxanthin helps to protect that and helps to protect what's called neuroplasticity or the ability of your nervous system to adapt to change and your brain to adapt to change. Okay. Fantastic stuff. Um, jet lag and sugar induced oxidative stress. There was a recent study that evaluated um, how weeks of jet lag, stress, and intake of sugar induced wear and tear oxidative stress in mice. So basically they um, not only induced jet lag, but um, sugar and lots of sugar in mice. I'm wondering if they took them on a long trip or something. I don't know how they did it, but anyway. Um, so one test group fed astaxanthin for six weeks versus none in the control group. Research, uh, results show that the astaxanthin-supported group experienced very significant anti-aging effects and amelioration of oxidative stress. Now, let's talk about mold toxins. This is what we were just talking about before. Um, mold toxins and mycotoxins such as okra 
toxin. Okay, this is the most common, widespread, uh, potent type of mold toxin. It's called the okra toxin. Now, okra toxin A is fo commonly found in water damaged buildings and heating ducts. Now, okra toxin A12 can enter the bloodstream and accumulate in organs like various parts of your brain, the cerebellum and, and, and places like that, but it can also accumulate in the heart, the kidneys, where it leads to increased free radical stress. So how does antizantin fit in? A recent study evaluated mice exposed to okra toxin A and measured kidney stress and antioxidant levels. Mice that received the anti that the astaxanthin treatment had better antioxidant status and also glutathione status and experienced less kidney stress compared to the non-supported group. Fantastic work. Okay. And I know a lot of this was in mice, but you know, mice is they use mice a lot because they're one of the closest things to when you're dealing with humans. But I'm sure there's a lot of human studies on this as well. And I'm sure they've, you know, tested. The only problem is you're not going to find a lot of human studies because there's not a lot of money to study this stuff in humans, but it is what it is. Now let's talk about diet and astaxanthin to get four milligrams of astaxanthin in your diet. You would need to consume about seven ounces of wild caught salmon every single day. Astaxanthin is found in other sources as well. Freshwater fish, trout, red snapper, crab, shrimp, lobster, tilapia, along with green microalgae. So now I don't know if you're going to be eating that much salmon. If you are great, you know, if you eat that every single week, fantastic. It's a great thing. But, you know, I personally, if, um, if I wanted to protect myself, I would not be, I would, I would eat the salmon because I do eat salmon. I love salmon. Salmon is one of my favorite foods, but I would also take the astaxanthin with it, which brings me to the next uh next article and or the next spotlight and that is our spotlight for this week which is the wellness resources astaxanthin supplement so astaxanthin supplement from wellness resources contains uh the astra real natural astaxanthin okay contains high purity astra real it's in basically it's a natural astaxanthin uh sourced from the marine microalgae and not even, I'm not even going to, well, I'm going to try to pronounce it, but it's called Hematococcus plevuvius. I don't even think I got that right. But anyway, it's a marine microalgae. That's where they got it from. And that's where they sourced it from. Okay. And wellness resources, uh, microalgae or, or astaxanthin contains six milligrams of, of astaxanthin per soft gel capsule. So keep in mind what I said, if you want to get four milligrams of astaxanthin uvite, you need to consume seven ounces of wild caught salmon every single day. Or you can, you know, have some of these other fish products and that type of thing. So obviously, if you're not consuming that and you want to get astaxanthin in your diet, a great way to do it is to get it from the Wellness Resources brand because you get six milligrams of astaxanthin per soft gel capsule. So again, let's recap astaxanthin. Great for antioxidant skin. And your eyes, it helps to support cellular health and immunity, helps to support the brain. Okay. Uh, all the, all the stuff we went over when it comes to the brain helps us, but it also has other, um, support as well. It helps to support the skin, helps to support against UV radiation, supports cholesterol and triglyceride health, and it helps to support overall mitochondrial health. So again, 
astaxanthin from Wellness Resources. Make sure you go to myvitaminresource.com if you want to take a look at their uh, astaxanthin. Fantastic supplement. You know, they only do the best stuff and without all the junk. So that's why I use Wellness Resources and um, their supplements. So that's our spotlight for this week. So that's our show for this week. I uh, hope you got a lot out of it, but make sure you, you know, just check out, you know, everything you can do to help with hay fever. We talked about hay fever. We talked about how to, you know, the best things to do for hay fever, making sure that you are, um, making sure that you are, uh, supporting your immune system as much as possible, because remember it is an immune system problem, support your immune system and you're on your way, uh, dealing with mold. We talked about mold, how to deal with it how to obviously you want to get rid of it and how to support your mitochondria, support your brain health, if at all possible. And then we talked about astaxanthin, again, how it helps with your brain, how it helps all different processes in your body, but also helps with mold exposure as well and oxidative stress. So, uh, so yeah, so I hope you guys got a lot out of this again. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Have a great week. Hope you, you know, make sure you take care of yourselves and each other. And as always, take care of your health. Bye-bye now.